you, Pastor. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please. And I invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews tonight, chapter number 9. The book of Hebrews tonight, chapter number 9. And uh, we do want to say, man, I've enjoyed the good singing tonight. Uh, the special singing, choir singing. Choir does good every night. And I appreciate it. I mean that. I appreciate our musicians being in their place and, and everybody just taking part in the meeting. And I want to say thank you to all the preachers that have come. I know how busy preachers are, and I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be here. And then all the people of God that are here, thank you for coming. And uh, it'd be hard to have a service without you, and I'm glad that you came to be in our presence and gracious with your presence. And I do need your prayers tonight. And I want to try, with the help of the Lord tonight, to preach just a simple Bible message that the Lord has laid on my heart this afternoon. And uh, I want to preach tonight on the ministry, the ministry of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ministry of his blood and what all that his blood accomplished for us when he hung and he bled and he died. And, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot of people today, a lot of the liberals, they're taking the blood out of their songbooks. And uh, they're trying to do away with the, uh, the blood. They don't like to use that phrase. And, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon made the statement, it's either the blood or it's hell. It's either the blood or it's hell. A good moral life might keep you out of jail. But it's going to take the blood of Jesus Christ applied to your heart by faith to keep you out of hell, friend. So I trust tonight that you'll pray for us. And that Christ might be honored and lifted up and magnified tonight. And again, thank you so much. Uh, this is six years that I've been coming to Gant Street. And I appreciate Brother Gene and the church. Appreciate him letting me come. Uh, six years. That's probably a record. I don't know about anywhere else I've been that long. Maybe Alpine's had me come that many times. Most of the time I get run off after the second year. But I appreciate uh, this church allowing me to come and being a friend to me. And uh, you people here in Columbia, I appreciate you. You're just special people. And a lot of visitors come tonight, and I thank you for coming. We're honored that you're here. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 9 tonight. I want to read several verses and begin in verse number 11 and uh, read here. Most of you are familiar with this, but in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 11, the Bible said, But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And what the writer of the book of Hebrews here is doing, you understand this, most of you. He's talking about how that the sacrifice that Christ made as our great high priest is far superior than any uh, Old Testament sacrifice that was ever, ever made. And then you come down to verse number 22. This is a verse that we all know. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary, verse 23, that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Now, if you understand this, what he's saying, he's saying in verse 23 that it was necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens, and that pattern was the tabernacle that was there in the wilderness. It was purified with blood. They sprinkled the blood upon everything that was in that tabernacle. He said there it was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things. Now there's not only, you see the earthly tabernacle that was pitched in the wilderness was a pattern of a real tabernacle that's there in heaven. There is a tabernacle not made with hands in heaven. And Moses, the one that he erected and got the blueprint for, is just a pattern of the one that's in the heavens. And the Bible said, but the heavenly things themselves 
with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true. And that's talking about uh, Moses' tabernacle, the earthly tabernacle. But into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But I like this. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And I want to preach tonight out of verse number 23 when the Bible mentioned that the heavenly things themselves were purified with better sacrifices. I want to preach on the better sacrifice which was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what all that His blood accomplished for us when He actually hung and bled and died there at Calvary. Now most of you are familiar with the book of Hebrews. You know that it's a book of better things. You'll find there's three key words in the book of Hebrews. You'll find there's the word perfect. That word is used 14 times. You'll find the word let us. And that word is used 13 times. And another key word is the word better. And it's used 12 times in the book of Hebrews. And it's used in the sense that Christ, He's far better than the angels. He's far superior than Aaron. I mean, He is the better. He, there's, in Hebrews 7.19, there's a better hope. Hebrews 7.22, there's a better testament. Hebrews 8, 6, there's a better covenant. In Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, there's also a better promise. In Hebrews eleven sixteen, there's a better country. In Hebrews eleven thirty five, there's a better resurrection. And in our text tonight, Hebrews nine twenty three, thank God there's a better sacrifice, and that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of times, you know, I know we understand and we think about Christ dying. And he shed his blood for the remission of our sins. But what all did the blood accomplish for us? What all did the blood obtain for us when we think about the ministry of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, as I begin this message all throughout Scripture now, all throughout the Old Testament, the only means to appease the wrath of God was through the shedding of blood. I mean, it's, it's a bloody book, friend, all the way from Genesis chapter 3, all the way to Calvary, you have blood being shed. And, and it's a bloody book. A lot of people don't like that. They'd rather take the blood out. They say that's a bloody religion that you all talk about. Well, I'm telling you, it was the blood all through the Old Testament. But the blood of the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and the blood of bullocks and, and of pigeons and turtle doves and those offerings, uh, they could never take away sin. They could never take it away. In reality, all the, the blood that was shed in the Old Testament, you understand that in Leviticus chapter 16 was the day of atonement. And once a year, now they were sacrifices that were offered every day, friend. There was the morning oblation, the evening oblation. But once a year, that high priest would go in behind the holies of holies and he would offer blood for himself. He would sprinkle that blood before the Ark of the covenant and then he had placed that blood upon the ark of the covenant upon the mercy seat uh, he did that once a year and all that did uh, was it renewed the note if you will it rolled the sins of Israel forward uh, it never took away uh, the sins it never did friend now you can study your Bible and find you, you'll find in the New Testament over and over and over I thought about in Hebrews chapter number 10 uh, You'll find in verse number 4, the Bible said, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. 
It never did happen like that. Those offerings never did take away sins. They simply covered them. It was like a covering or rolling them forward. And all throughout the Old Testament, thousands and thousands of gallons of blood was shed around the altar there. But as you think about it all down through time, I mean, it was always the message of the blood, the blood, the blood. And in the inside that tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, there was the two cherubims that stood there. And their wings come up to the top of that thing and they touched. One writer said that one of those cherubims represented the Old Testament saints that were looking forward to the time when Jesus would come. And another one was looking back this way and looking back to the time that Christ did come. I'm glad Jesus was the better sacrifice, friend. And what the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer could never, never do, Jesus once and for all when he hung and bled and died and cried, it is finished. He satisfied the demands of a holy God in heaven. Now you see, as you think about this, all the Old Testament blood that was shed, it renewed the note. It carried the balance forward. But in the family of Adam, there was no one to be found that could make the payment for sin. Not even among the angelic host, there was no one to be found that could make the payment for sin. But I'm glad Jesus Christ, I mean God in the flesh, condescended, came down, was born of a virgin, lived 33 and a half years, marched up Calvary's hill, hung and bled and died, friend. And I'm glad that he obtained eternal redemption for everyone that'll believe and get saved by the grace of God. I'm telling you, it's the blood. And I, I, I like the songs we were singing last night. Some of the songs tonight we're singing about the blood. I like it, friend. You say, preacher, our church is taking them out. Our denomination's taking them out. Then I'd get out of that denomination. I'd get out of that church. And I'd get in an old-fashioned church that still sings and still preaches about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you get to thinking about it, you see the blood is the basis of our salvation. All throughout the Old Testament, it was the blood. It was always the blood. You go back as far as Adam and Eve, friend, in the garden. You know what God did in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21? He killed innocent animals and clothed Adam and Eve with the skins thereof. And that was the shedding of blood. You think about Cain and Abel. Abel came to God with that sacrifice, the firstling of his flock, and he slew that lamb and offered a bloody sacrifice to God, and God was well pleased with Abel's offering. You see, Cain, he's a modernist. He's a type of the first modernist. He tried to approach God on his own human effort and on his own good works and what he could produce. But salvation is not through your merits or your efforts or your good works, friend. It's through the blood. I think about in Exodus chapter number 12. It took the blood to get Israel out of Egyptian bondage. When God said you put that lamb up and you keep it for so many days and then you slay that lamb, put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. And God said, when I see the blood, I will will pass over you. That's what he was looking for that night, friend. And I found out that word pass over. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It means, it's the word pasca, and it means not only did God just pass by, but when he saw the blood there on the doorpost and the lintel, it meant that he would stand there and guard that household against the destroyer. Tonight, you can't see it but by faith the blood of Christ has been applied to the doorpost and lintel of my heart and I'm glad that blood is protecting
redeeming me. That blood has cleansed me of all my sins. You say, preacher, you really believe that? I believe it with all that I have to believe with, friend. It was the blood throughout all of that Old Testament. Now you say, preacher, what about in the tribulation? Well, what about in the tribulation? Have you never read in Revelation chapter 7 and verse number 14 when they said, these are they that came through great tribulation and have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. I'm telling you, it's been the blood all the way through, friend. It's, the, it's never been by works. Salvation has never, never been by works. But it's been either that offering in the Old Testament that was a type and a figure and a picture of when Jesus would come. It's always been a bloody, bloody trail. And they led, that trail led to Calvary, friend. It was a picture in the Old Testament of how the Lamb of God would come and how that He would die and taste death and shed His blood for the remission of our sins. Now, when you get to thinking about this, uh, you say, Preacher, what do you really believe about the blood of Jesus Christ? Uh, I believe the blood that was in Jesus Christ's body, uh, I believe it was the blood of God Himself. Now you say, do you have any verse for that? Any Bible to back that up? The Bible said in Acts chapter 20 verse 28, the scripture said, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased, which he, God, hath purchased with his own blood. I believe the blood that flowed in Jesus' veins was Emmanuel's blood. It was untainted blood. It was uncontaminated blood. I'm telling you, it was the pure blood, friend. Oh, yes, there wasn't another type of blood like this. This blood type was out of this world, friend. I mean, it was never found in this world, but it came from another world, and it was that blood that satisfied the holy integrity of God Almighty. Now the law had to be satisfied. There had to be an offering. There had to be one to come. Somebody had to pay the price. And it took a perfect sacrifice. Do you understand God Almighty demands perfection for you to go to heaven? Are you listening to me? For you to go to heaven, God demands perfection. You say, preacher Seton, then we'll never get there. Within ourselves we couldn't. But I'm glad there was a perfect one that came down and he shed perfect blood and we've accepted him by faith and thank God because of what he did for us we're accepted in the beloved friend I'm glad for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ Hallelujah, friend. And I know that you know most of this tonight. But I tell you, we ought to make much of it. I mean, we ought to make much of it. We ought to wave the blood-stained banner high, friend. And make much of Jesus and His sacrifice, which is the gospel, friend. You can't get to heaven no other way. It's not the blood of Christ plus water baptism. It's not the blood of Christ plus your wafers and your Hail Marys. It's not the blood of Christ plus anything or minus anything. It's what Jesus did. And that alone, friend, is what satisfied God Almighty. Now, what all, Brother Buster, did the blood accomplish for us? I want to say number one, number one, the blood of Jesus Christ redeemed us from sin. It redeemed us from sin. Now you say, preacher, what are you talking about? The Bible said in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7, in whom we have redemption. In whom through Christ we have redemption through His blood. You see, it was through His blood that's what got us and brought to us our redemption. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. You say, well, preacher, see, I thought it was just His death. Now, there's a lot of argument today. Stay with me. There's a lot of argument. Some believe, some have even preached and said the blood of Jesus Jesus Christ was just mere human blood. 
And it wasn't his blood that atoned for our sins, but it was his death. I'm going to tell you what that Bible said. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Through his blood. Now you say, preacher, where do you believe that blood is? Brother Buster, are you so naive? You mean to tell, preacher, don't you think uh, that when Jesus was carrying that cross uh, and when they whipped his back uh, and the blood fell there on the marble floor, uh, they washed it down, uh, the blood that was in the whip, uh, the blood that was in the seamless garment, uh, uh, the blood that fell there on Calvary, uh, that fell into the rocks, uh, don't you believe the flies came and blowed up? upon it. Don't you believe the vultures came and sucked up that blood? No, no, no. I believe that blood, His blood, is on the mercy seat tonight. In the, in the, listen, in the tabernacle, not made with hands. Liquid fresh, friend. Just as fresh as the day He shed it. That was incorruptible blood. That was God's blood. And you believe what you want to believe, friend. I believe that blood is there on the mercy seat in the holies of holies in the heavenlies. Amen. Yes, sir, friend. And it's through that blood we have redemption from sin. Now the word redeem, there's three words they tell me that make up this word. You preachers know all of this. There's the word agorazo, exagorazo, and lutros. You said, what would you do, just cuss? Uh, no, I read that and had to study it myself. Uh, agorazo, exagorazo, and lutros. Uh, three words that make up the word redeemed. The word agorazo means that one is able to enter into the slave market. One enters into the slave market and has the power and the ability to purchase the slave. The word exagorazo means he brings the slave out of the slave market once that he's purchased him. And then the word lutros means... Just his own bride, and he brought us out of the slave market. And thank God, he set us free. We that are saved have been set free, never, never to be sold again in slavery. Hallelujah! I'm glad that he obtained eternal redemption for us through his blood. Through his blood. I remember reading and thinking about this. You've heard this. I looked at it this afternoon in some studies I have with me. There was the story told about a young man and he made a little boat. This little boy fabricated and he made this little boat. He, he painted it. He put it together, glued it together, made this little boat. And he took it out there to sail it in a pond to set sail. Watch it sail. While he was out there, it got pretty good ways out there. And a storm came up. Lightning flashed and everything. That boy had to leave. I mean, he had to leave. And there's his little boat out there. And after the storm had came and the next day he went out there, he couldn't find his boat. The boat was gone. And the little boy's heart was was crushed. One day he and his mother was walking down the streets of that particular city and there in a pawn shop he looked up and saw his boat. He said, Mama, that's my boat. I'd know it anywhere. I painted it. I made it. That's my boat. They went inside and the proprietor said, Well, I don't know if it's yours or not. But he said, Somebody brought it in here and I paid them a certain amount for it and if you want it, son, it'll cost you X amount of dollars. That young boy looked to his mother and his mother, mother nodded her head. She opened her purse and gave the boy the money. And the boy bought his own boat back. And they heard him when he walked out the door. He said, boat, you're twice mine. He said, you're mine by the act of creation I made you. And you're mine now by the act of redemption I bought you back. Did you know we that are saved by grace, we're twice his? He made us... And not only did He make us, but He purchased us. And He redeemed us. And He bought us, friend, for His very, very own. The blood of Jesus Christ redeems from sin. But not only that, number two, the ministry of the blood of Christ, it cleanses us from all sin. And now, now this is hard for people to get a hold of. I mean, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. 
Now you say, preacher, Satan, is that so? That's what the Bible said in 1 John 1, 6. The Bible said if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Revelation 1, 5. Unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins. Now you say, preacher, I understand when I got saved that the Lord took care of my past sins. Don't you understand? Listen, when Jesus hung and bled and died 2,000 years ago, all your sins were future sins. He not only dealt with your past sins, He dealt with your present sins. He dealt with your future sins. Thank God I'm telling you the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Now that's not a license for you to go out and commit sin and live ungodly and turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. But I'm glad He dealt with all of my sins, friend. Hey, when Jesus hung there and He bled and He died, all the sins of the Old Testament uh, gravitated to him like a magnet uh, and all the sins of mankind's future uh, uh, came back to him uh, and I'm glad he was our scapegoat uh, I'm glad that he tasted death for every man uh, and I'm glad friend uh, that he cleanses us when we get saved uh, he cleanses us through his blood from all sin from all sin now you see, there's the complete cleansing at the new birth. And then there's continual cleansing day by day. If we'll get, now listen, he dealt with all our sins. But now if you're going to stay in fellowship with him, if you're going to walk in the light as he in the light, then you're going to have to continually, daily, uh, be confessing your sins. Now don't look at me like you hadn't sinned today. I'm going to tell you something. Some of these folks say I hadn't sinned in 20 years. Well, you just did then. You lied. That's what you did. The Bible says, I'm telling you, friend, we've all sinned, come short the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. Now, you might have not smoked any dope today. You might have not drank any liquor. You may have not committed adultery. But the Bible said the thought of foolishness is sin. The Bible said all unrighteousness is sin. The Bible said, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. I'm telling you, we've all sinned. And we need to keep a short account with God and keep them confessed so we can stay in fellowship with Him. A continual cleansing. A complete cleansing. Thank God. Boy, I'd hate to think that I could lose my salvation. Amen. Brother Kidd called me today. Dr. Phil Kidd called me this evening and talked to me for about an hour. And we was talking about a certain preacher that used to believe that you could lose your salvation. And Brother Kidd was in a meeting with him. And uh, man, I mean, you know, he was one of the free will Baptists, believed you could lose it. And uh, the independents had gotten mad at Brother Kidd for the way he was preaching, but that free will was staying with him. And that old free will Baptist was a shouting, Hallelujah, glory to God. Brother Kidd said, What are you shouting about? Said, You might be lost tomorrow. He said, I'm saved tonight. I'm going to shout about it tonight. Amen. And did you know he gave him Brother, Brother Fleming? He he did. He said, that old boy said, I'm saved tonight. I'm going to shout about it. And Brother Kidd hadn't seen that man in years and years and years. He gave him several tapes on eternal security and things like that. And last night, up there at the meeting at Kingsport, there's that man. They let him sing the first song. And Brother Kidd said, my God. He said, they got free will Baptist involved in this meeting I'm in. And that man came to Brother Phil and said, I saw the truth. I saw eternal security. Well, I tell you, the next best thing, listen, from being saved is knowing how long you're saved for. I'm glad I'm in and couldn't get out, friend. I am in and I'm, oh, I'm just in. You hear me? I'm so saved, it's pitiful, friend. I'm secure. I'm secure in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that ever really gets a hold of your heart, I'm telling you, if that ever gets down in your soul, that you're redeemed and the blood of Christ took care of all your sins, it ought to put a smile on your face. Amen. Make a free will Baptist shout, amen. Oh, cleanses us from all sin. 
But not only that, the blood of Christ, the ministry of the blood of Christ, it brings us nigh to God. Take your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians right quickly. The book of Ephesians chapter number 2, and I want you, you know this, but look at it. In Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 11, Paul writing to that church at Ephesus. And you know what brings us nigh to God? It's the blood of the Lord. It's not your race. It's not your color. It's not your creed. It's not your, not, it's not you or Gentile, bond or free. That has nothing to do with it. What's brought us nigh to God is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.11, Paul said there, Wherefore remember, he said, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But I'm glad the Holy Ghost didn't stop there. You see, that was our past condition. That's what We were the Gentiles. We are Gentiles, friends. I like verse 13. The Apostle Paul said, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. You know what's brought us nigh to Him? You know what's allowed us access to Him? It's His blood that He shed for us, friend. Amen. I mean, when we accepted that, that's what brought us nigh. It brought us nigh to God through the blood. You understand in that Old Testament, friend, that veil separated, that veil inside that tabernacle, it separated man from God. Separated man from God. But I'm glad when Jesus hung there, and I mean He bled and He died, the Bible said in Matthew 27, 51, that, that the rocks did rent, and the earthquake, and the veil of the temple, they said 12 yoke of oxen couldn't pull that veil apart. And the Bible said that that veil was was rent from the top to the bottom, I mean by an unseen hand. And there was a new and a living way opened up. Amen, friend. As Gentiles, we could have never got in. We could have never approached God. If we'd have been born in that Old Testament economy, we'd have died and went to hell. But I'm thanking God for the blood. I'm glad that He broke down the middle wall of partition. And He made a new way for whosoever Amen. Can you imagine in that Old Testament? Here's a Moabite or a, here's a Jezbuzite or an Amalekite and they ride over the hill. They look over that hill down there in that valley. They see those tribes of Israel set up the camp and they see the tabernacle, the badger skin on the outside, kind of a dull gray. They see the brazen altar outside and they see the fence around it and people coming and going, coming and going. And, and that Amalekite doesn't know what's going on. And there comes some Jewish man by and he said, hey, I'll talk to you. He said, what in the world is that? Why? Well, he said, it's the tabernacle. He said, what is that cloud hanging over? He said, that's the Shekinah glory of God. And you see that Amalekite doesn't know God. He said, I, what, what, what are they doing right there? He said, they're offering sacrifices. We're offering sacrifices. And he said, who's that man right there? He said, that's the high priest. And today's the day of atonement. And he's going to go in and offer sacrifices inside the holies of holies for the entire nation. I can hear that Amalekite say, I sure would like to go in there. And I can hear that man say, you never could go in there. And the Amalekite said, well, what would I have to do to be able to go in there? And I can hear the Israelites say, you'd have to be born again. You'd have to be born again. You'd have to be born to Jew. And you'd have to be born to the tribe of Levite. And you'd have to be a high priest after the order of Aaron to get to go in there where that man's a-going. I can see that Amalekite scratch his head and drive off. Ride off in the sunset only to die and go to hell because he had no access. I'm about to have me one more glorified spell. But you and I that have been saved by grace. The middle water petition's been torn down. And you and I can come nigh to God at any time of the day, friend, because we've been born again. We've been saved by grace. And the blood's been applied to our heart. And we have access in the holies of holies. Amen. It meant something, friend. I mean, I'm telling you, it means something tonight. 
Anytime we need to, we can bow down and we don't have to look at a pope and we don't have to kiss the pope's ring or the pope's big toe. There ain't no hope in the pope. You hear me? And I don't have to look at some man that calls himself father and dresses like mother and wears his shirt collar backwards. Amen. And liquor on his breath and talk to him through a knot hole. I'm glad, hallelujah, I've got access to the great high priest in the heavenlies through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. No wonder that old songwriter got excited and said, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. I get excited when I get to thinking about what Jesus' blood accomplished for us. It brought us nigh to God. But not only that, the blood of Jesus Christ, it brings peace. It's what made peace with God for us. Did you know that? And you study your Bible and go to the book of Colossians. You'll find in Colossians chapter 1 verse 20, the Bible said, And having made peace, Jesus made that peace. And that word peace is that same word, at one at one And it means, and the Bible said, and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earthly things or in heaven, I'm glad that He made peace. You see, we were enemies. We were at enmity with God. We were fugitives from justice, friend. And the sword of God's divine judgment hung over our heads as it were. But when Jesus hung and bled and died, it's as one writer said, with one hand he laid hold of deity and with the other hand he laid hold of depravity and he spanned the gap and he bridged the gulf and he made a way and he brought peace. He brought peace. He brought peace. That we could have peace. You see, people in the world that are unsaved don't know what peace is. They don't know what peace is, friend. But I'm glad we that are saved by grace, there's a deep, settled peace down in our hearts. Why the book of Colossians said in verse chapter 2, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. That handwriting of ordinances, if you don't understand that, that's the law, friend. And he took it out of the way and he nailed it to his cross. Nailed it to his cross. And he made peace. He made peace for the guilty sinner. He made peace for the sinful man and woman, boy and girl, that'll bow and repent and ask Christ to come into their life and save them. Jesus made peace through the blood of his cross. Why these peace treaties today, man, I mean, listen, they sign them and before the ink gets dry, they're at war again. I mean, these, listen, the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There's no peace to the wicked. But we that have been saved and know Him, there's peace. In our inner bosom, there's peace. The blood of Christ brought peace. Take your Bibles, turn with me quickly to the book of Romans the book of Romans. I want you to turn to chapter number 3. In Romans chapter number 3, I want you to see here that the blood of Christ justified us freely. It justified us. And through His blood we have what, it's, what the doctrine is called the doctrine of justification. We've been justified, made as though we had never even sinned in the sight of God. <laughs> Boy, if that ever gets deep down in our hearts, and it'll do something for us. The Bible said in Romans chapter 3, Paul writing in verse 24, he said there in verse 24, being justified, how Paul? Freely. By what Paul? By His grace. Through what? The redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just 
and the justifier of him which believeth in him. Where is boasting then? I see Paul shake his head. He said it's excluded. By what law? He shakes his head. He said of works? Nay. By the law of faith. That's how a man's justified. And that law of faith there is referring back to faith in his blood. That's how you're justified. Not by your works. It's not by the law. It's not by your deeds, but it's by your faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm telling you, friend, if you're trusting anything else, if you're trusting your church membership, if you're trusting your water baptism, if you're trusting your good works, if you're trusting a good moral name and a good upright life, that'll land you in hell one day. I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to get you inside, inside the city of God is faith in His blood. Amen. It justifies us freely. And the Bible said in verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I want to say thank God. Oh, if you only knew my past, and I'm glad you don't, but if you only knew my past, some of you would get up and run out of this room. You'd run out of this room. You'd say, I don't want you preaching to me and my family. I wouldn't want you to preach to my kids. If you knew my past, where I've been and what I've done. And hey, if I knew your past, I might not want to be preaching to some of you. You know, now don't look at me so sanctimonious. All of you have not always sat in church. All of you have not always had on a suit and a tie and a nice dress. Hey, some of us got saved out of a, off of a bar stool, out of a nightclub, out of a honky-tonk. God got us out of some of us out of our own vomit, friend. I mean, we were deep, deep in the depths of depravity. I'm glad the blood of Jesus Christ justifies us freely. Freely. I got to thinking. I got to thinking about this one day. I was reading through the book of Galatians. And Paul said, For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I, I got to scratch in my head. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. Then he said in verse 20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but it's Christ that liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But that verse 19 got to plague in me. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. And I was sitting there studying, and I looked up in my library, and there was Dr. E.M.R. Dehan's book on the book of Galatians. I pulled that thing down. I was searching for a little light on that verse. And Dr. E.M.R. Dehan explained it like this. He said, let's say that uh, you went out and committed murder. I mean, somebody you, somebody you know went out and murdered, murdered one of your loved ones. They robbed a convenience store, robbed a convenience store. Your loved one worked there. They shot him in cold-blooded murder. And they took that man. They took him to jail. They brought him to trial. And then they executed that man, executed him, put him to death. And then three days and three nights later, you saw that same man walking down the street. That killed your loved one. Why do you go get the law? You go get the law and you say, law, come and get him. That's the man. That's the one. And they get him and they bring him into the court. And the judge said, yes. He said, that's the one. But we can't try the man for the same crime. We can't, we can't condemn him for the same. The law's done been satisfied. The law said he had to die and he died. But he, but you say he's alive now. Well, the law said I can't do nothing with him. He's done paid the price. And Paul said, for I, do you see it? He said, I am crucified with Christ. When Christ died, Paul said, I died. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but it's Christ that liveth. Hey, Jesus satisfied the demands of the law. And when Jesus died, I died with him. And when he arose, I arose with him. And now the law has no jurisdiction over me. I'm free. I'm free from the law. I'm telling you, God's law can't hunt me down. God's law, Mount Sinai's law, can never, can never bring me into condemnation and say, you've got to go to hell. I died with Christ. And when he got up, I got up. And it's in him that I live and move and have my being. And the law's been satisfied. Glory. If I wasn't so dignified, I would have a spell. 
I, I saw this illustrated another way. I was reading behind Dr. Harry Ironside one day. And Dr. Harry Ironside said he was over in Israel and he was on a tour visiting the Holy Land. He said he saw something he never saw before and he made the bus driver stop. And there was a herd of sheep. He'd seen them before. But he said he looked into them sheep and that little herd and there was a little lamb that had two heads, four front legs and four hind legs. And he said, stop, stop the bus. They got the driver to go over there and talk to that shepherd and said, what in the world's going on? What, what is this? And he could tell that it, that it wasn't the, actually that the, the lamb had two heads, but it was another carcass hanging on top of that little lamb. And he had four front feet, four hind feet, and two heads. And so the driver could communicate with the shepherd, and they talked, and, and the driver said, Dr. Ironside, he knew him and had been on tour, had, had, took him on tours before. He said, this is what happened. He said, the shepherd's telling me that this little lamb that you see with four front feet, four hind feet, and two heads, that its mother died. This little lamb's mother died, and it was an orphan. And over here was a mother lamb whose little bitty lamb died. And he said he thought he could bring this orphan lamb to this mother lamb that just lost her lamb. But she sniffed it and smelled of it and would have no part of it. She would not let it nurse. And he said the shepherd fought within himself. He took that dead little lamb of that mother's and he skinned it. He skinned that lamb and put the skin of that lamb upon that little orphan lamb, brought it back to that mother lamb, and she sniffed around of it and she accepted it and let it begin to nurse and let it begin to drink. And Dr. Ironside said, I had one more spell. He said, I got to thinking we're accepted in the Beloved. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? We are accepted in the beloved friend. That's how we've been reconciled. That's how we've been justified. Through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, it justifies us freely. We're accepted in Him. Amen. And you know what? You've been made in the sight of God as though you've never, if you're saved by the grace of God, judicially in the sight of God it's as though you never never have sinned you're accepted well the truth is you're hid with Christ in God you're hid with Christ in God now if that's not security I don't know what you where you can get it the blood of Christ the ministry of the blood of Christ grants us boldness in approaching God that's what gives us boldness in coming to the throne of grace the Bible said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. I remember a few years ago that there was a there was a Southern Baptist, one of the leaders, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention made the statement that only the saved, born again, blood-washed souls of men have a right to come before the throne of grace. And boy, there's a lot of argument over that. A lot of other people got upset and got mad and tried to get him to retract that statement. But I'm that's the only people that have access to God. You hear me? That, now you say, preacher, I'm telling you the only ones that have access and prayer. Now listen, I know God can hear the prayer. He hears the prayers of the sinners. He does hear the prayers of the sinners. But those that have access are those that have been washed in the blood. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 said, Having therefore, brethren, boldness <laughs> to enter into the holiest. How can we do it? By the blood of Jesus. The Bible said by a new and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Do you see it's through his blood that it grants us the privilege of entering into the holiest where the priest, the high priest, could only go once every year. And they told about how he would go in there and he wore that garment and there was a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell. And when he'd go in there, he had a rope tied to his leg. History gave him. Nobody could go in there behind that veil if he had a heart attack and died. I mean, if he went in there and messed up and something went wrong and God struck him dead, they couldn't go in there and get him. So as long as they could hear the jingle of the bells, he's in there and he's sprinkling that blood and doing the things he did. They knew everything was all right. They knew that everything was see, and He couldn't go in there but once a year. Can you imagine how the fear and the trembling that was in his heart as they'd lift up that veil and as he'd crawl up under that veil somehow and get in behind there? But you and I that are saved, what a blessing. Have you talked to him today? 
Have you had communion with him today? Have you been in the third heaven today talking to your heavenly father? And the access was by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it grants us boldness in approaching God. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about arrogance, but boldness, confidence. Amen. So when I go to my mom's house, I don't go up there and knock on the door. I'll go to my mama's house, knock on the door, and say, Mama, it's your oldest son. It's Buster. Would you let me in? Well, I've got a key to the house, and she ain't there. I'll just go in there, and I'll say, Hey, Mom, what you doing? i go to the refrigerator, open it. If there's anything in there to drink, I'll drink it. If there's anything on the stove to eat, i eat it. I mean, man, that's my mama. I'm family. And thank God tonight. Through the blood of the Lord Jesus, I'm part of the family. And I have access, friend. And I don't have to go to nobody else like us. I, I feel sorry. I feel sorry for these people that are wrapped up in all of this, all of this tradition and all of this Romanism and all of this popery and all of that, friend. We have access. Then I come to a close the blood of Christ. The ministry of his blood will silence the accuser of the brethren. Did you know the devil still has access to go in before the presence of God, just like in the book of Job? I believe the devil still does have access to come in. And I believe he comes in at times and he tries to lay charges against us. The Bible said in Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10, John said, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. I'm telling you, I believe the devil still tries to go in and he tries to find fault. Hey, he'll say, do you see what so-and-so did, God? Did you see what Brother Gene Ryle did? Did you see what Brother Seton thought? Did you see what Brother Alvin Fleming said? I mean, there's the potential the devil goes in and he tries to bring charges and railing accusations against the saints. I remember reading this years ago in France. If I remember right, France is where they used to make the Rolls Royce. There was a time when it was handmade. They said every part was handmade. The Rolls Royce, the most expensive car. And there was a particular gentleman that bought one. The northern end of France is where they made him. He purchased one, paid cash for it. And he drove the southern end of the, of the country of France and the thing broke down. The thing absolutely stopped. And he stepped into a phone booth. He called and he called the head department. He said, my name's so-and-so and I bought a Rolls Royce and that thing's broke down. She said, now hold it. What is your name? And he gave her his, his, his name. She said, what did he, when did you? He said, yes, we've got a record. We see right here. Now, what's right? He said, it broke down. It stopped. It won't run. She said, check in the best hotel. Check in the best hotel. Eat the best food. And sign the tab. We are sending a mechanic. We're flying a mechanic to fix it right now. And he checked in a big hotel. And he was eating. And, and man, I mean, just having a time. And that mechanic came. It was some little small problem, just something he took care of in no time. But he didn't leave a bill. He didn't charge the man. And the man being an honest man, the story told it, the man being an honest man, a day or two later he got to thinking about it, got to bother me. He said, the man didn't charge me. He flew a plane down here. and had to call. He called back up there and said, my name's so-and-so and I bought a Rolls Royce and it broke down. You flew a mechanic down here and, and nobody gave me a bill. She said, hold it. She said, now what's your name? Uh, when did you purchase this? Yes, we have a record. He said it broke down. and you sh She said, sorry, sir. We have no records of our cars ever breaking down. And she hung up the phone. You hear what I'm trying to say? The devil goes before our God. He tries to accuse us. And he said, did you see this? Did you hear this? And Jesus is our prosecuting attorney. And he raises his wounded hands. And the Father says, devil, there's no record. There's no record. Their sins have been obliterated through the blood of my son. No record. Hey, that's, that's good. I kind of like that. It's getting on me now. It's getting, that's hitting me now. No record. Did you know you got more than a pardon when you got saved? You not only just got a pardon, 
You see, if I understand the penal system just right, if you commit murder, and let's say you committed some hideous crime, and the governor uh, gives you a pardon, and uh, let's say he, he, he gives you a pardon, they say you have to sign an agreement that you were guilty, and it goes on record, you get a pardon, you get to go free. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But I'm going to tell you something. Always, there'll always be a record down there. There'll always be a record down there. But you see, we got more than a pardon. We got justified. I'm telling you, the record has been done away with. I like that song they used to sing. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. I, your mind won't let you forget. Your friends may not let you forget. Your past may haunt you at times and drag you down. But when you come before the throne of grace, hallelujah, friend. It was Martin Luther. Martin Luther, that great reformationist, the great reformer Martin Luther, said he had a dream one night. And said he dreamed and he said the devil showed up in his dream and had a long list of charges against Martin Luther. I mean, mile after mile of charges of sins. Martin Luther walked over every one of them and he knew he was guilty, 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 guilty. And he said, devil, is this all of them? Is this all of them? The devil chuckled in that dream and said, no. Mr. Martin Luther said, go find everyone. Find every charge you've got against me. And he said, in that dream, the devil showed back up and there was a mile after mile after mile after mile and he walked over every one of them and said yes yes I'm guilty 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 and he said devil is this all of them and the devil said this is ever one of them Martin Luther and Martin Luther said in his dream he saw himself right down 1 John 1 6 and 7 the blood of Jesus Christ God's son cleanses us from all sin amen I don't care what you've done what you've been if you hey, you may be here tonight you say preacher I'm a sinner I'm lost and listen to me if you're here tonight lost you're a judgment judgment bound sinner you're going to face a holy God one day and and God has got you charged with the death of His Son. You're guilty. You're guilty of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins nailed Him to Calvary. And if you don't get saved, God will punish you. Put you in the place called hell. Take you out one day and put you in the lake of fire. He'll have to do that because He's a holy God. But if you'll come and plead guilty, plead guilty and repent, He'll forgive you of all your sins. The blood of Jesus Christ silences the accuser of the brethren. And last of all, the blood of Jesus Christ is what's going to deliver us from the wrath to come. That's right. Romans 5, 9, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. You say, preacher, you think the tribulation's coming? Oh, yes, the tribu those tribulation clouds are hanging low out there. I'm telling you right out there before long, I mean the tribulation, not a tribulation, but the tribulation is soon to break forth upon this planet. This is a judgment-bound planet. But I'm telling you where I'm going to be. I am going to be sitting at the right hand of the Father at the judgment seat and the marriage of the Lamb. I ain't hanging around for Jacob's day of trouble. I ain't hanging hang around yourself if you want to the first three and a half years. I'm pulling out on the first load. I'm going out in the rapture, friend, and the blood of Jesus Christ is going to deliver us from the wrath that's coming upon this planet. Oh, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad one night the preachers preached to me and I'm glad the Holy Spirit showed me that I was a sinner. And I'm glad that I fell just, just by faith. I fell before God and pleaded guilty. And asked the Lord to have mercy on me. I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a wicked sinner. Lord, please, would you save me? Would you take me? And thank God the burden of sin rolled away. And I don't know how to explain it, but the peace of God flooded my heart. In 22 years now, I've never been the same. I've never been the same. Thank God for this better sacrifice. And he only had to do it one time. I mean, one time, friend, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm through preaching. You've been so good to listen. Thank you so much for coming. Our musicians are coming tonight. Our choir director is coming.
Brother Dan's coming with a verse of invitation. Lord, aren't you glad tonight? Aren't you glad? I, I think about that verse, that tremendous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm glad God was willing to give the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that Jesus was willing to give his life and to give his life's blood at Calvary and to taste death for every man. Are you listening to me, neighbor? He took your place, sinner. He took your sins and made it his very own that you could be saved and be born again. I wonder tonight how many of you can raise your hand as a testimony. I asked this last night. How many of you can raise your hand as a testimony and say, Preacher, I'm glad that I know that I've been saved by the grace of God. I know that I'm saved and I'm not ashamed of it. Would you hold your hand up high? If you know you're saved, hold it up high. Don't look at no one else. You just hold it up high. You can take it down now. Hands are bowed, eyes are closed. There are some people here, and I thank you for coming back tonight. There are some people that were here last night and are back tonight. They cannot raise their hand. I want you to understand, friend, Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus died for you that you could be saved. You say, Preacher Seaton, I don't understand. I don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what you need to do. If you'll come down, get on your knees in this altar. There'll be somebody that'll help you and pray with you and show you what the Bible says about salvation. I wonder if there's somebody here tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed that would just slip up your hand and say, Preacher, please pray for me. I'm not saved. I'm not saved. I don't have the assurance if I died tonight that heaven would be my home. I do want you to pray for me. Would you just slip it up and let us pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. It won't come to you. Anyone, anywhere, just slip it up. Take it back down. You've been thinking about this. You've been thinking. Listen to me, neighbor. The Bible said it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. You're going to die one day, friend. You're going to die. And you're going to have to face God. I wonder if you'd just say, pray for me, preacher. I need to be saved. Anyone, anywhere. Anyone. One more question and we'll be through tonight. Maybe there's somebody here and you say, Preacher, I'm out of fellowship with the Lord. Brother Buster, I raised my hand that I was saved. But to be honest, I'm walking at a distance from the Lord. I'm not enjoying my Christian life like I used to. Preacher, I just need to get some things right with God. I'm glad the same blood that saved you is the same blood that can cleanse you tonight and give you back that fellowship. Would anyone like that slip up your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me? Yes, ma'am. I saw your hand. Anyone else? Preacher, pray for me. Yes, sir. Hey, don't be embarrassed, my friend. I mean, you said, Preacher, I, there's just some things I need to get right. I, there's some things that are in my life that I need to get right. Well, I'm glad the blood of Jesus Christ can take care of them. Someone else? Anyone else? Preacher, yes, ma'am. Someone, yes, son. There's others. How is it tonight between you and the Lord, Christian? How is it tonight between you and the Lord? Anyone else, preacher, pray for me. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. Let's stand to our feet, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we trust you to give the invitation now. Thank you for these that have driven long distances to come people that have come to be with us tonight. And I pray for these that have raised their hands, Lord. Several people have raised their hands. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to just get in these altars and do business with you tonight. I pray, Lord, that not be ashamed, not worry about what anybody else thinks. Lord, I, I, want, I want to have that fellowship. I want to be right with you, Lord. Now, I, I want to just thank you tonight personally that you shed your blood for me. For me, Lord. I pray for the sinners that are in this building tonight. I pray somehow, Lord, you'd open their blinded eyes to help them to see they need the Lord Jesus. You'll give the invitation now. Bless and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Number three, we're going to sing page number three. Jesus paid it all. There's folk that ought to be coming tonight. There's Christian people ought to be in this altar tonight. 
Some of us ought to just come probably and thank the Lord for what He did do for us. And there's some people that need to do business with the Lord. Why don't you come while we sing this first verse? Will you come while we sing? Let's sing it together now. Sinner, you ought to come to Christ tonight. Dad, mom, son and daughter, is it well with your soul? How's the fellowship between you and the Lord? Thank God for these that are coming to pray. We're singing another verse. Jesus paid it, paid the price for you, sinner friend. He paid the way so you could go to heaven. Won't you come to him? Sing it, church. Don't you feel an indebtedness to the Lord tonight? I want us to bow our heads, please. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. People are still coming and praying and playing softly. Our pastor's coming tonight to close out. There's some people that are in this building tonight that if you died on the way home, Lift up your eyes and lift to the burning of hell. You're lost tonight. You know that. And I thank you so much for coming. I thank you for coming. I'm trying to get the blood off of my hands tonight. I'm trying to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who can save you. And the song that Brother Dan picked out was so timely. Jesus paid it all. And you can be justified freely. Christ did for you. You're turning down the best offer if you've ever 